Mini episode 1334 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello, everyone. Welcome to FDH Lounge mini-episode 1334. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris here, and we have a very, very special one for you here today. This is now, and it's hard to believe I'm saying this, the fourth season in a row that we have done this in terms of uh, looking at the start of the baseball season on the show and using it as uh, a tribute to our late friend and broadcast colleague, Don Coster. And for these purposes, I have with me today FDH Lounge dignitaries Ken Detweiler and Steve Callis. And just to recap, as we've done previously, and actually last year, this is... This is the time where we've done two of these relatively close together because last year, uh, the COVID year, uh, which I guess this is COVID year part two, right? But anyways, during the first one, we actually didn't get a chance to get all three of us on together till our World Series preview. So the Don Coster tribute waited until then. But in 2018 and 2019, and now in 2021, a chance to take some time at the top of the broadcast to pay some respects to a dear friend and colleague, somebody who Ken and I worked with uh, way back in the old Sports Talk Network days, the show Life's a Pitch with Ken Detweiler from 2004 to 2006, where Don was the original sidekick, and uh, even then he was having some health issues. So I got added as a second sidekick, and then uh, some of the most fun I've ever had is when the two of us were together with Ken, uh, as opposed to separately, and uh, doing the whole three-man booth, and uh, that is why we have continued on this tradition the last couple of years by inviting in Steve Callis with us because Steve is a guy who over the years has recorded uh, baseball with Ken uh, as far as a lot of their experiences playing, coaching, etc. They've kind of run parallel uh, to each other as well as covering the game of baseball. And uh, so a very, very fitting thing to bring in uh, Steve Callis for this. And uh, I, will, uh, I will do this first. I will turn to uh, Steve, because momentarily here we're going to get to our uh, tribute on Don and the things that we're going to say about him this year. But uh, Steve, uh, as always, a pleasure to have you in there for this. I know I say this every time, but this is something that uh, Don would have found uh, very fitting. You never got the chance to cross paths with him, but uh, to bring in somebody else to do the segment to help pay tribute, uh, I know is something Don would consider an incredible honor to have you in this seat. Well, it's a great honor. I'm not filling in for Don Coster. Obviously, uh, Ken will tell you why nobody can replace him. But it's very cool doing it with you two guys. I like doing it with baseball guys. We're all baseball guys. And it sounds to me like Don was kind of an old-timer. And uh, I certainly, uh, my father called me an old-timer when I was 16. And that was a long time ago. So I'm cool. I'm cool being on this panel. And uh, I think when we start getting into the issues, uh, everyone will see that we might all be kind of old-timers. But, yeah, it's a privilege to sit in uh, as the third guy. Um, 
not again replacing Don, but certainly uh, thinking about him as we do this show. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Be, being here in this seat and uh, making sure that it's not an empty seat here, uh, figuratively, uh, because, uh, again, it was a three-legged stool when it was at its most fun back in the day. And when I, when I was a sidekick to this man, my good friend Ken Detweiler, and uh, Ken, again, those were the days back at the old Sports Talk Network, having fun, talking baseball. And uh, as I said to you off air, uh, my, my focus uh, for, for this time around, because I, I, I try to mix it up, I, I try to get into a different sort of aspect of talking about things with Don every time we do this. And the first time was kind of the low-hanging fruit of just talking about him as a guy, maybe even the second time around. And I know last year we talked about maybe what his thoughts might have been during the pandemic season of baseball, and that uh, at the very least he has been spared from dealing with all of this that every, all of us were dealing with last year. I try to think of that as well in terms of my dear mother, that uh, at least she wasn't around to see any of this kind of horse crap that we've had to go through. But uh, for this time around, I was thinking to myself, and again, this, this might in another way be sort of low-hanging fruit by talking about this, some of the rules changes proposed and otherwise uh, for baseball over the course of the last year. They're not doing everything this year that they did last year, whether it be the Universal DH or some of the other things, but uh, they are still doing the doubleheaders played as two seven-inning games, the runner on second base at the start of every uh, half inning that goes into extra innings. They're still doing that kind of stuff here. So, Ken, as, as best as you can, <laughs> please channel Don for us on this, what Don must be saying from the great beyond, looking at our great national pastime right about now. <laughs> Do we have to put an explanation about what might, what might be said here going forward? <laughs> if, it, if we're going to use Don's words. <laughs> hey, be I true to the man. You know, be I, true to I the man. The poor guy's head, as you know, Rick, and you've got a good handle on him, Steve, even though you didn't meet him. He, he, is, uh, he was the poster boy of a curmudgeon sometimes, <laughs> and I think this, this would be... Not only baseball, but the politics, the nonsense that's going on, the cancel culture, whatever you call it, whatever you call it, whatever you call it, on and on and on, and whatever side of the fence you're on. Don would take the opposite, uh, even if he didn't believe it. He might take both sides and cry about it. But, uh, yeah, I, with baseball, he's, yeah, he's an old school guy. And I think we all wear that proudly, that just kind of pile on with what Steve just said, because... And I'm proud of it. I call with the kids on the baseball team. I call them. Uh, I said, "Would you we call it old school?" I call it doing things the right way. And uh, yeah. So, but Don, yeah, Don he would be very. Gosh, and, 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 and thankfully, you guys never saw him have one of his moments <laughs> when he was <laughs> at home or around the family, and he could speak permission to speak freely, so to speak, and he would. <laughs> Without asking him to, uh, yeah, he could get a very colorful uh, vocabulary when it comes to stuff like this. Well, I so can I'm imagine. Sure, his head, his head would have exploded by now. You know what? Let me take this a step further, Ken, in talking about this because you went uh, initially there a little bit broader as well, and I want to kind of explore this. Why don't we re reframe this sort of as the overall Rob Manfred era? Because you know, the, the, uh, just this all symptomatic of what we're getting out of the quote-unquote leadership, and obviously I'm using air quotes as I say that, out of the commissioner's office, 
a man who has toyed around with such notions as perhaps drawing a line down the middle of the field to sort of limit the ability to do shifts and, and things like that. I mean, it just seems like in, in terms of trying to chase anything that he thinks will make the game more relevant, it just seems like nothing is sacred to him in that sense. And I know, I know that is something, that is an ethos that really would have rubbed Don the wrong way. Yeah, it, it would have, because again, I think we're, we love the game so much and we love it in, well, I'm going to speak for myself here sure. uh, instead of throwing you guys in, in the same <laughs> pot with me, but it's just, why mess up a good thing? I just don't, I just don't get this. I see it every year at the high school level with base with the baseball umpires. They always have to have something, a new thing to put in the rule book that keeps them, I guess, viable, mm -hmm. uh, needed, whatever the case may be. And that's what I see here. I mean, you know, get that guy off second base, Steve, like you said. <laughs> it's just like, and, and maybe go with a DH. I can't believe, God forbid, I'm saying this, but put a DH in both leagues. Uh, we see that you see this cloud, these clouds gathering with the contract coming up next year. That's right, CBA. The, the baseball, the baseball players' association didn't want to get paid for 162 games, only playing at 154. Mm -hmm. um, they're setting the stage, I'm afraid, of stuff like that. But there, I digress. But Don would have been livid, and you know it. Oh yeah, he might have, might have censored him a few times there in his rant, but uh, sure, no, oh. that's, he was a great guy. He could do anything for you, but if you don't want somebody with an opinion, Don's not your guy. <laughs> well, and in any other context, Ken, these would be rhetorical questions because I know what the answers are. But hearing you expound <laughs> on this is very valuable for everybody in terms of. Because every year we try to paint a picture of the man, and that's how you really do justice to him, is, is you give a sense. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, and I appreciate this greatly, you, you've been able to sort of do that and breathe life into the things that he would be ranting about right about now. And, uh, you know, fittingly enough, uh, for the uh, gentleman who is joining us to pay tribute to Don uh, today in that uh, vaunted third seat here, uh, Steve, I want to turn to you on this and Whatever we're talking about as far as any of these peculiarities, and, and that is a kind word of the Rob Manfred era, uh, I know that you're not looking at this really much different at all than Don would be, if at all. You mean we didn't agree with Rob Manfred saying, what am I going to do, take that piece of metal away from the Houston Astros? I mean, <laughs> and I don't, think he knew, I don't think he knew at the time, I wonder if he did, that the name of that piece of metal is actually the Commissioner's Trophy. That's I mean, right. just almost too stupid to talk about. Sure. But I will say this, man on second, you know, when you see these rules last year, you were afraid they would become permanent. Man on second in the top of the 10th, is beer league softball. Right. Like we got to get home to dinner, or we got to get home by 1 o'clock to watch a football game in September? I mean, where's the fire? And I have jokingly for years, and I'm not kidding, six, seven, eight years, I can find tapes that I did where I said, you know, if they want to make baseball the way it used to be, they should just make it a seven-inning game because you'd get rid of all the five middle relievers that are coming in every game. And, yeah. you know, nowadays, as you guys know, if the starting pitcher comes out for the sixth or seventh inning, oh, he's coming out for the seventh. Oh, my goodness. 
Whereas when, certainly when I was young, if you didn't come out for the night, there was something wrong with you or you got your head kicked in. <laughs> that's the way it used to be. Right. So yeah. I don't I don't understand where today everyone's bigger, faster, stronger, the nutrition's better, the training, blah, 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 blah. And nobody can play, you know, 162 games uh, yeah. or 154 games. The other thing I'll say, so for the first time, I used to write articles like, man, why can't we have double headers anymore? And then I remember writing one that said, well, you know, if the Yankees and the Red Sox five, seven years ago played a double header, where all their nine inning games were four hours, you'd be at the ballpark for nine and a half hours. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know if that's so good, but um, the double header seven inning games, again, as a compromise this year, and I know we all still watch baseball, but it's not as easy to watch nine innings for four hours. And I don't know that I'm against seven inning games. It would obviously change the record book forever. It wouldn't be the same, Ken, as going to 154 games, because that's how it was for, yeah. you know, decades and decades. Uh, and the only final thing I say, not to make everybody's head explode, but I was reading an article about new rules that they're putting into the minor leagues. Yes. And here's just the one that I read about. I didn't read all of them, but I read one. In double A this year, if you are an infielder, you have to have both of your feet on the infield dirt. Hmm. And that's obviously to stop the second baseman who plays in right field. Okay. And that's taken away hundreds of hits in the last few years. Anybody, oh, he crushes the ball between first and second. Oh, he's thrown out by 10 feet at first. Right. So that is a rule in double A that I don't want to see. You can talk to me about seven inning games and double headers, but I'll say it again. Man on second, top of the 10th, and I guess top of the 8th in a double header. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, beer, that's yeah. beer league softball. Where are we going? we got to get home for dinner because our wives are going to yell at us. I mean, what is that? And, of course, um, I agree with Ken 100%. When the DH came out in 1973, I was against it because I thought baseball was going to go to offense-defense. I thought eventually you'd see the nine best hitters and the nine best fielders, or eight counting the pitcher. Um, but now, after all these years, and especially since they did it last year, I mean, again, think about it. They have the World Series. You got four games with a DH, three without, or vice versa, depending on who's got home field advantage. That's as stupid as you can get in sports to me, and has been for a long time. So I'd like the DH in both leagues now, although I will say back in the 70s I was against that. Well, that's very interesting on, on that point that you looked at it that way in 73, and uh, that's not a perspective that I'm really as familiar with, but I find it to be uh, fascinating. And I think, again, the seven-inning games, that is something that could be used to kind of draw uh, the younger generations back in that have sort of uh, turned their backs on the game. Uh, it would definitely help on the watchability, but I can't help but wonder then, you get into a notion now of where uh, and this is because of all the, the relievers, the strong-armed relievers that come in, that a lot of times you have fixed outcomes after five innings, six innings, whatever. You don't have as many comebacks. Might that be the case even more so when the games are shorter? And might it be, well, the starter is going to go three innings, time for the middle reliever in the fourth. So, you know. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yes, yes. Well, you know, the analytics show the second time around in the rotation, uh, you know, the, the batting average is much higher because that's what it is. Analytics are showing that the third time around there's a dramatic jump in, in batting yeah. average and everything like that. So Yeah, we, but go ask Kevin Cash about that. I'm sure we'll get well, into that. Well, exactly, exactly. Uh, we will. And uh, I think that'll sort of be our jumping off point right there to get to this. We'll start with the American League, and I'm going to start by turning to you. Uh, Ken, it's a thing where 
to a certain extent, uh, you come into this season, and I think there is a lot of continuity here because, uh, again, uh, the way that it's gone really the last two decades plus in baseball, uh, the big market teams like the Yankees uh, are, are, are going to be up there. Uh, the Red Sox, again, choosing not to be a big market team and trading uh, Mookie Betts. They must really be kicking themselves after last year with the World Series. But And then it's, it's a matter of what other teams cyclically are able to be up there. Tampa Bay, which surprisingly won the East Division going away last year, uh, even with making some moves offloading talent as they do every offseason, Tampa Bay is still right there in the mix. In the Central Division, uh, the Twins and the White Sox are going to be up there again. Our Indians, unfortunately, can dumping Lindor like we knew was coming. So yep. probably not so much as far as uh, contention there. You wouldn't think that the Royals and the Tigers are ready to make a, a jump yet uh, based on where they've been. In the West, you got the, uh, the A's and the Astros up there as per usual. The Mariners and the Angels, every year we keep hearing, maybe it's their year to at least get a wild card. And every year it doesn't happen. <laughs> So for the Angels in particular, wasting the prime of Mike Trout, that is always particularly painful. But, uh, I mean, in the American League, outside of the fall of the Cleveland Indians, there's not a whole lot that I see that represents a lot of change from last year. Uh, How do you see the 2021 landscape in the AL relative to last year, Ken? Well, you got got the Yankees, Mm -hmm. you know, always best best team money can buy. Yep. But uh used to be. But this year that was received there. <laughs> I I hear that it was received. Um uh, so <laughs> as far as that message went. But uh no, I I found it interesting and I I listen to these guys. I uh, I'm very, very curious to see what the Blue Jays come up with. Mm-hmm. And then on the plus side that is. Yeah. And I again the Rays Another head scratcher. These guys drop guys. We drop guys. We go, as you mentioned, Rick, Lindor, Lindor, and Ryan Dumper. Uh You know, and the Rays are still in the conversation to a point. Um, But the Red Sox, the Orioles, no. Um, I like the Blue Jays a lot. And And I'm cautiously optimistic about the Rays. The Yankees, you know, they're ready to maybe pull a Dodgers moment this year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and win something. Um, in the Central Division, I might be going against the grain here, not having heard both of you guys by going first, but I think the Twins are the, are the team to beat in that, simply because I think they have more depth uh, in their, on their roster than the White Sox do, and that's the only reason. And then you've got Huey, Dewey, and Louie at the bottom <laughs> the Central there. So, and then the Astros, and this is just this is just emotion on my part. I hope they never win a, a biscuit going forward <laughs> for a while. And uh, I'd like to see the athletics really come out of here and win something instead of saying, oh, kind of like the Twins. You get in, hey, thanks for making the first-round playoffs. Now go leave. Uh, and the Mariners are on the upswing, too, I think. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right about that. Uh, I, where I disagree with you a little bit is in the Central and – We'll see if he's plugged into the modern game, but the progression of the way the White Sox franchise is going, again, changing managers, that that really could come back to bite them. I wouldn't have done it if I was them. We'll see if La Russa in the year 2021 can get it done. It's a really weird thing that you regret firing him in the 80s, so you're going to bring him back in 2021, you know. 
we got to see how that plays out. But uh, you know, so yeah. I mean, and, and that's the thing too that there have been there have been changes when you look at it. Every team has had changes going through some bigger than others. So I want to just kind of quantify what I said a little bit there as I turn to you, Steve, in terms of uh, not as much. A change in the landscape of the American League. Team to team, obviously, there's, there's been a little bit of, you know, again, with Tampa Bay shedding some guys as they've been wont to do uh, and, and some of the other things that have happened here. Uh, but uh, the, I'm just talking big picture-wise. I don't see a whole lot that distinguishes the American League from what we saw in 2020. I wonder if you agree or not. Uh, I do agree. You guys have both already commented on the Indians, so I won't. But, you know, <laughs> to give up on Lindor. And, and even though Santana didn't have a good year last year, he had 199, but his OBP was 349. Uh, and even Brad Hand, I know you guys are going to start crying about the playoffs, but he was 16 for 16 and save opportunities yeah. during the regular season and yeah. left the majors. But having said that, the Yankees, I think, have a lot of question marks. I mean, mm-hmm. Ken's right what he says, but... They have Garrett Cole. Tanaka went back to Japan. They're actually relying, and I'm sure you guys have followed this, Corey Kluber coming back from that shoulder injury. only pitched one game last year. Um, But the Yankees do average or did average last year a little over five runs per game. And here's a stat for you. Kluber in his career, when he got at least three runs, just three, He's 88 and 20 with a 2.99 ERA. Now, I don't know if he can get back to that. He's looked good in spring training, whatever that does. You know, they also got the Jamison Tyone guy from uh, Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Same deal. He's a good pitcher, but is he healthy? You know, they got the usual arms coming back, Montgomery and Garcia. uh, Severino still out, but coming back from Tommy John. They got Herman with the domestic violence thing coming back. They have so many question marks. And then you say, oh, let's go to the bullpen, though. The Yankees are always great. But Zach Britton already has a bone chip in his elbow. He needs surgery. He's going to miss three to four months. So you have Chapman. Uh, but then, you know, Chad Green, Darren O'Day, Justin Wilson, those guys are good. But, and then, you know, even their everyday players, what, what is Aaron Judge, what is Stanton going to be? You know, Stanton is a 490-foot home runner in, in an exhibition game. Everybody goes nuts. Those two guys combined in 444 possible games in the last two years, as you know, 162, but then only 60 last year. Of those 444 games, Judge and Stanton, not playing together, just playing, have played in 171 of them. I mean, what is that? What yeah. is that? Gary Sanchez yeah. hit as bad as you could hit last year. He hits three monster home runs in spring training, and what? He's back? And is he any good defensively? Has he really improved? You know, they got the Kyle Higashioka guy, who's much, much better defensively, and is just an okay hitter. The flip side is, as you guys know, they got LeMayhew, hit 364, led the league, um, they got Miguel Andujar, who nobody even knows about anymore. He was number two for Rookie of the Year like three years ago. He can't yes. get on the field because of Gio Urshela. So, as you guys know, they have tons of talent. They spend tons of money. But they're big, big, big guys, Judge and Stanton, the question marks. And they're pitching after Cole. I would say there's, frankly, you know, five question marks. Their bullpen yes. to lose Britain early is terrible. Tampa Bay, you got to give them credit. They do more with less than anybody and have for a long time. But this time they lost Blake Snell. 
and we know why they lost Blake Snell. I think he just wanted out. I mean, again, if we're gonna, if we're gonna, I'm not an anti-analytics guy. I think they have their place. But if you were watching last year and watched that game, and you're the manager, and you say, "I got to take him out because it's third time around," right? And he looks like Sandy Colfax. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. That's where the that's where you lose me on the analytics. This guy, and I know at least in the movie Moneyball, they said Billy Bean never watched the games. But the problem with never watching the games is Blake Snell in that game last year. And he was watching the game for the record. Right. <laughs> Manager of the year, Kevin Cash, was watching the game. But I still think, you know, they invented and have mastered the opener. You know, the Yankees tried to do that with Garcia against the Rays. It blew up when they brought in J.A. Happ, who looked like, well, why am I doing this? And he's no longer a Yankee. Um, yeah. But they got Randy Aranzarena, who was just unbelievable. Ten home runs in the postseason, all-time record. Of course, you know, when Babe Ruth played, it was seven games. Mickey Mantle, you know, seven games. Uh, not, not taking anything away from Aranzarena, but, you know. Right. Um, so they're still going to be good. You know, their top of the order is Austin Meadows and Brandon Lau and Rosarina and Dima and Shoy. That's, that's a good four. Yep. So I think, uh, and just briefly on the Blue Jays, you know, you got a Bichette in the lineup. you got a Vlad Guerrero Jr. in the lineup. you got a Biggio in the lineup. They're pretty good. You're right. And they picked up George Springer. Yes. Uh, I just think they're going to come up pitching-wise a little short. In the Central, um, I got the White Sox winning the Central. I'm pretty high on the White Sox. Maybe I'm dreaming. But they had a good pickup in Lance Lynn, I think, to go behind Giolito and Keuchel. You know, Keuchel's back 1.99 ERA last year. I know he only pitched 63 innings, but he only gave up two home runs. They got arguably the best closer in uh, in in baseball in Liam Hendricks, who allowed a 105 batting average versus three to six hitters last year, three, four, five, and six hitters. His ERA over the last two years is 1.79. And the reason he's on the White Sox is because uh, Hendricks destroyed the White Sox for Oakland. That's how Oakland won last year. And they also picked up Adam Eaton in the outfield. And I think they have a heck of, you know, you guys know the guys, uh, Jose Abreu, the MVP, this uh, Eloy Jimenez, oh, yeah. 96 with 14 homers and 41 RBIs. He got a Silver Slugger Award. Um, they lose McCann, the catcher, but they got Yasmani Grandal, who's pretty good. Uh, I like them to win. And I got the Twins a little behind them. But they did pick up J.A. Happ from the Yankees. So they go Kenta Maeda, Jose Berrios, Michael Pineda, Pineda, and J.A. Happ. To me, that's a pretty good four. And then three, four, five hitters, you guys will have to guess with me. Josh Donaldson, Nelson Cruz, the ancient one, but still productive. Miguel Sano, that's a pretty good, you know, three, four, five. Oh. And out west, I got Oakland beating the Astros, but I'm kind of with Ken. I couldn't root against the Astros harder. I still think they're going to pay this year. Even though it's a year later, I think if you walk into a ballpark and there's... If you walk into the White Park and there's 3,000 fans in there, they're going to make the noise of 30,000 like we saw in some of these football games. Um, but, you know, they got no Verlander this year. They lost Springer, who was a big key for them at the top of the order. Uh, but they still have Altel Altuve and Bregman and Brantley, you know, and Correa. Correa had a excellent year and a great postseason uh, and also had the best fielding percentage of AL shortstop. So uh, I've got Oakland alone coming out of there. I've got, um, I don't know if we're talking playoff teams already, but I sure. got the White Sox, uh, Tampa Bay and the Yankees. I, don't, I, I couldn't pick Houston for the playoffs just on general principle, so I have the Twins making it as a wild card. Those are my picks in the 
in the AL. Well, fair enough as far as how you look at that. And uh, in, in going to the National League, this is a thing where I think, again, we have a little bit more difference than last year uh, as far as how things are breaking. I see the East Division as being one of the most competitive, really, in all of big-time sports. And that's what's going to yeah. make it tough for Miami to stay up where they were last year. They really had a big come-up, but I think they're going to be hard-pressed to sustain that over another 100 games in the course of a season. The Mets in particular, finally having a real ownership that's willing to spend. Boy, oh boy, am I jealous of that as an Indians fan. But, uh, you know, yeah. the, the, the Mets uh, stepping up, getting her done with uh, Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco, some of the other moves made. Uh, Washington, kind of a fluky bad year last year. I expect them to bounce back. But to me, the Braves are still one of the elite teams in baseball with that just endless river of young talent that keeps coming through. Uh, a lot of people are saying the Mets are the team to beat. I still think it's the Braves that are the team to beat. Remember, they were the division champions even in 2019 when the Washington Nationals won it all as a wild card. So I'm staying with the Braves there. The Central Division seems to be a hot potato. Nobody really seems to want it that much. Uh, the Cubs are basically going through and shedding a lot of their high-priced talent. That's the reason Theo Epstein is leaving. The Cardinals, sort of an exception uh, to this rule, picking up uh, the great Nolan Arenado to play third base. The Cardinals, to me, are the team to beat basically by default just because nobody else is really making moves to kind of step up in the rest of the division here. Uh, and in the West... Uh, that's a division where I, I do see a decent amount of stasis from last year in terms of the three teams being sort of further back. I don't really believe that uh, San Fran, Colorado, or Arizona is poised to make much of a move. But I think, essentially, and this will never be the case because of the way ESPN treats it with the media markets, you know, there's, there's only one Yankees-Red Sox rivalry. But if you're looking at the on-field equivalent of what that used to be, in my book, look no further than Dodgers-Padres, because these two teams are both, at this point, superpowers. The Padres are, are really, they are giving the lie to every cheap ownership in MLB. Well, what do you want? We're just a mid-level team market size. The Padres are just out there. They're getting it done. They're spending. They're, they're being successful. And I think they're going to be rewarded at the gate uh, as baseball allows for more and more full attendance later uh, in the season. So, Ken, it's a thing where when you look at the National League, uh, I think that's really where the action is as far as differences between 2021 and 2020. Yeah, I agree with you on the Braves and the, and the Eastern Division, Rick, uh, Steve. I, the Mets made a, a huge splash, but now can they swim? Um, now that they're in there with all these guys, you know, I, I'm curious to see how that plays out. And that's again what makes it fun for me. Like I mentioned earlier about the Blue Jays and Tampa, you make all these changes, good, bad, or different opinions are like noses. And I'm just sitting there going, What? I gotta watch this. What? Why would they do that? This ought to be interesting. And I do see the Nationals coming back, having a bounce back year, I guess, is using a cliche over and over again. Sure. But, uh, but true. I still have the brace. Yeah. No, it's true. I agree with you. Yeah. And, um, and I'm pulling for the Marlins, but I'm sorry. Devin says, thanks for playing, um, but uh, you're out of here. <laughs> um, and in the Central, all I see is the Cardinals. And, boy, if they just don't clean up on these guys. Maybe I'm missing something, guys, and I hope you can point that out. But they have one of the best defensive teams that they've put together. Oh, yeah. Um, and again, 
Maybe that's old school again, but you win the defense uh, to some extent. I mean, that's got and all we talk about is launch angles and this and that, rotation of the ball when you're pitching. But uh, I don't don't overlook their defense. That's very very solid. Yes. Uh, at this point, and then what I love to just kind of pile on with what you said, Rick, with the Padres and the Dodgers, and then the the three little ones there. Forget <laughs> about it. Um, simply, they hate each other. They do. Which adds more excitement for me, not to stir things up, but my grandmother used to call me a little shista boobla, <laughs> which, as I found out, meant a little shite uh, <laughs> growing up. But uh, I didn't know that at the time. I loved it early anyway. The so, things we um, learned. So I loved watching these guys stir it up a little bit. And the Padres do not like the Dodgers. And the Dodgers do not like the Padres, which you don't see that much anymore in pro sports of any, at any level. But baseball particularly, everybody's so buttoned down. And, I mean, I don't want it to go back to the Ty Cobb era where you're going in the stands and beating people up. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, so... That's kind of how I slid on it, anyway. What was the Ty Cobb line? I don't care. He, I don't, he doesn't have any feet. I don't care if he's got no hands, or is it the other way around? I mean, Ty Cobb, yeah. <laughs> yeah was, I don't care. Yeah, I, no mean, hands. I think that was... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he'll just... He was an equal opportunity, I say, to beat the crap out of anybody. And uh, the game, the, I say the game could use a little more of that these days. But, uh, you know... <laughs> Well, I wonder what he, uh, the question you would pose to Don or about Don. I, what would be what it would be what would it be like, guys, if you posed that to Ty Cobb? Well, you know what? <laughs> I'll tell you what. If if Don could if Don could do us a solid, I'd like to have him dispatch Ty Cobb from the afterlife to spend five minutes in an enclosed space with Rob Manfred. I think we'd all pay to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Sharpen spikes and all, boys. Sharpen spikes and all. <laughs> and uh, on, on that note of ridiculousness, uh, I turn to you, Counselor Callis, here. Uh, the National League, uh, there is a lot, I think, to really uh, kind of impress and, and kind of uh, just, just really uh, interest and focus us as we look at this uh, landscape relative to last year. It really seems to have had the lion's share of transformation as far as franchises go, particularly uh, in the Eastern Division, I would say. Yeah, I'll just give you two quick things on Ty Cobb. Uh, <laughs> the best Ty Cobb story I ever heard was, I think it was in the early 60s, um, you know, somebody asked him if you played today, you know, what would you hit? And he said, I'd probably hit about 305. And the guy said, really? You'd only hit 305? And Ty Cobb said, yeah, I'm 63 years old. <laughs> 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 but the other thing I was thinking when you guys were talking about Ty Cobb and beating people up in the stands, what would he do today? He runs into the stands, there's nobody there, unless he's, you know, playing against the Texas Rangers, and then there's 50,000 people, I guess, according to the governor of Texas, you go in and beat up all of them if you want to. Exactly. Uh, a percentage of them will be sick with COVID, but that's a different story for another time. I'm with you guys on the Braves. I loved the Braves last year because of Mike Soroka, and of course he tore his Achilles very early in the year. Supposedly, back Soroka and Freed combined are, are, I would argue, one of the best, if not the best, one-two punches in baseball. Yep. I know they're not, uh, you know, Kershaw, Bueller, and now, you know, they're getting Bauer as well. But uh, that's why I liked them last year. They've also picked up Charlie Morton, who's going to be logged in as like a number four starter. 
you know, in the bullpen. They got Will Smith. Um, they got this guy, Martin, who had a 1.00 ERA last year in 19 games. Minter is excellent. Um, and this Tyler Matzek, lefty reliever, 43 strikeouts, 10 walks last year. We all know these numbers are lower in terms of the volume because there was only 60 games. But then you look at their lineup. Freddie Freeman stuck around when they were terrible. He was the MVP last year. And now they go Swanson, Freeman, Ozuna, Acuna. Well, Acuna's leading off, so it's Acuna, Swanson, Freddie Freeman, Ozuna, uh, Travis Darno, who, you know, came alive after he left the Mets, and the Ozzie Albies. I mean, that is a nasty top six. So mm-hmm. I do like the Braves back, especially if Soroka's healthy. Um, the Mets, you know, I want to say the Mets are the Mets are the Mets, but you guys are right, obviously. They robbed the Cleveland Indians of Lindor and Carrasco, assuming Carrasco is healthy. DeGrom is, to me, the best pitcher in baseball for the last three or four years. Uh, Looks awful good in spring training. Syndergaard won't probably be back until June. You know, he had, uh, I think he had Tommy John. But Stroman is a really good uh, starting pitcher, obviously. The guy I'm worried about, and I'm not a Met fan, but if you're a Met fan, you have to be worried about is Edwin Diaz, who did have a good year out of the bullpen last year, but you'll recall the prior two years to that, he was maybe the worst reliever in baseball every time he came in and gave up a game trying homer, and I'm exaggerating, but it probably happened six or seven times the year before. It was like, please don't put him out there. And then you got guys like Batances, who was great with the Yankees, but getting older, arm trouble, 6'9", mechanics are very difficult. And Familia and Lugo, I don't know, I don't like their bullpen. They did pick up Trevor May, who's very good. They have a very good lineup, you know, Lindor at the top, of course. Uh, Pete Alonso. A lot of people say, you know, Chili Davis, their batting coach, was in Arizona all year last year. He's afraid of COVID. He's in the 60s. And they say that greatly affected Pete Alonso. We'll find out. Uh, I know we can debate whether hitting coaches are really, really important. But I think Pete Alonso is a guy to look at this year if he has a really good season with Chili Davis back. And, you know, this Dom Smith 996 OPS, the problem for the Mets is he's in left field. And some people say, I don't know that I agree with this, that he's a gold club first baseman. I don't know that he is. He's much better than Pete Alonso. But that would be a reason why the Mets certainly want the DH. And they did pick up James McCann to catch from the White Sox. So they got a pretty good team. Um, but I still have the Braves winning and the Mets second making the playoffs. And the Central, I'm with you guys on the Cardinals again, almost almost by default. Um, you know, they picked up Arenado. He didn't hit very well last year, but COVID years you almost throw out. There's always that issue he's leaving Colorado. But he's a lifetime 300 hitter. Uh, playing in St. Louis. They're really high on this Dylan Carlson as a young switch-hitting left fielder. Mm-hmm. And I think they trot out a great five, even though Dakota Hudson's probably out for the year. This Jack Flaherty is a stud if you watch this guy pitch. And the Miles uh, Michaelis, they're really good pitchers. I see Adam Wainwright, and I say, Adam Wainwright, really? Is he still good? <laughs> but last year he had a 3.15 ERA with a 1.05 whip. That's pretty good. Yep. Uh, and they go deeper with Quan Young Kim. And Carlos Martinez is down as their fifth starter after losing Dakota Hudson. So, you know, they're pretty good. And when you go Goldsmith, Arenado, DeJong in the lineup, um, that's a pretty good lineup. And I think this is a debate you guys have probably heard about. Yadier Molina, to me, is a Hall of Famer. Um, he's one of the greatest defensive catchers ever. Nine-time All-Star, nine gold gloves. 
but he's also a 281 lifetime hitter that people kind of forget about. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. In the West, I think the difference in the National League, Rick, I agree with you in terms of things changing, but the Dodgers are the Dodgers of the Dodgers. They're almost, they're more the Yankees than the Yankees. They actually yeah. won a World Series recently. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, they got Walker Bueller and Kershaw, and now you put in Trevor Bauer, David Price coming back. He opted out last year as the number four starter. Uh they're awful good. I've always been on the fence with Canley Jansen, but he was better last year. They got other guys in the bullpen who are good. And you look at their lineup, you know, I'm, I'm reading you guys, the three, four, five hitters or the top five hitters. They go Mookie Betts, Corey Seager, Turner, Bellinger, Muncie, Will Smith, A.J. Polak, and Chris Taylor, who's a decent hitter. He's batting, you know, I guess eighth. He should be batting ninth with a DH. But that's another story we've already beat to death. And then I do like I'm with you, Rick, in terms of what, and both of you, in terms of what the Padres have done. To go out and get you, Darvish, who I think was second, or he was a Cy Young finalist, I know that last year, after being yeah. horrific the year before. And Blake Snell, who was an ace, and, you know, I, I'm sorry, I think Kevin Kerr's turned that series around. Um, but, you know, they got Darvish, Blake Snell, and Joe Musgrove uh, pencils in as their fifth starter. They went and got all those guys. That's pretty incredible. And you know about Tatis Jr. with the big contract. He had 16 homers last year in 60 games and was fourth in the MVP voting. Manny Machado had 17 homers and was third in the MVP voting. Eric Hosmer, you know, hit 290 with an 851 OPS. Tommy Pham, Will Myers. I mean, they're loaded, but I always think it takes these kinds of teams when they bring in all of these new guys. Uh, I think it takes a year. Um, I have them as a wild card, though. So I have uh, Atlanta and the Mets with the Mets a wild card. I have the Cardinals in the Central, as you guys do. I have the Dodgers winning again. You know, I hate to pick the Dodgers, but uh, I have the Dodgers and the Padres as a wild card. Well, and that's the exact same lineup that I have for the National League on that. Uh, I, I think the Dodgers and the Padres are going to play to five very exciting games in the division series round, but I have the Dodgers coming out on top, Dodgers over Atlanta again in the NLCS. In the American League, I have it being the Yankees over the White Sox in the American League Championship Series. And uh, in the World Series, I, I this is what I said a year ago this time. Uh, I'll say it again this time. Dodgers over Yankees in seven. I think that's what we're going to get. So, Steve, on your, on your thoughts there, since you started to get into it, Dodgers in the uh, National League, I assume that's who you're going with. But uh, finish her off on your predictions for the season. Oh yeah, for me, I do. I do have the national, uh, the Dodgers winning the National League, but I have the White Sox beating the Yankees to make it to the World Series. And wow. I can't pick the favorites ever. I'm going to pick the White Sox to shock the world and upset the Dodgers in the World Series. If Jack McKeon can do it, Tony Larusa can do it. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Wow! Shades of '05 wow. with a World Series title. Shades of '59 in terms of the matchup. So uh, wow, that is. That's incredible. Uh, Ken, for shock value, top that if you can. <laughs> wow. Well, that's when I first uh, fell in love with Major League Baseball was that 59 series. That tells you, I was, mm -hmm. well, I can only go there. You guys could do the math, and it's not pretty. Um, <laughs> anyway, I'll go to the National Leagues. Um, right now, my wild cards are the Padres and the Mets. Mm -hmm. And then I have... Uh, the Dodgers playing the Braves, and the Dodgers coming out on top for the reasons we've already stated there. They're just loaded, loaded, loaded. And then, so the Dodgers will be playing 
and I'll hold that for a little second or two. Okay. Uh, American League, I've got the Blue Jays and the Twins. Uh, no, I don't. I have the Blue Jays and the White Sox. Because I here again, I've just they've got a great team. Sure. But I'm still going to stay with the Twinkies on that. Okay. Um, so I got the Blue Jays and the White Sox as the wild cards. I've got the Twins and the Yankees playing each other, and that's not even close. I've got the Yankees going through to play the Dodgers. And this year, God, as much as it pains me, I'm going to go with the Yankees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. that's shocking, Rick. That must be more <laughs> shocking because Ken picks them. That's right. Well, I'm going to go throw up in my mouth now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. It hurts, it hurts me more than it does you, I'm sure. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I can understand that. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, for, for a lifelong native of Ohio's, uh, North coast, America's <laughs> North coast. Uh, it's not an easy thing to say. And, uh, you know, I say that, which, uh, which speaking of which with, uh, America's North coast, uh, been a uh, tough week, uh, two of our great icons passing away in the last week, Joe Tate and Michael Stanley, uh, at the same time. So, you know, to bring things full circle here, as we uh, as we toast another one of our icons, uh, Don Kosker, uh, I'd, I'd like to think this is something that could give him a giggle. We go back to the Ty Cobb thing from oh. before, and my observation would be, you know, Steve, when you were saying about when he was asked in the 1960s uh, what he would hit uh, at that yep. point in time, I, I, if you jabbed Ty Cobb with truth serum, I, I think he would probably drop... Uh, a racial epithet. I'd be out here hitting these expletive deleted. I think that's what Ty Cobb would be saying. You might be right, unfortunately. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the notion we all have of Ty Cobb. And, uh, so, uh, again, but uh, even Ty Cobb, not as great a character as our own beloved Don Coster. So, uh, again, always love paying tribute to him. And uh, Ken Detweiler, uh, these, these shows are always fun, not just for talking the baseball, but for the chance to reminisce about uh, Don a little bit and give a little bit of, uh, add a little bit of the technicolor that was his uh, bursting personality here. So, uh, Ken, thank you as always for helping to connect the dots uh, on that. I want to thank you both more than I can say, because uh, I spoke to Don's widow, uh-huh. Tracy's my wife, Tracy's sister, and uh, she says, you're still doing that? And I said, <laughs> yeah. I said, but you got to say it's Rick and yeah. Steve. Because uh, you guys are the you guys are the straws to make this work and to, you know to stir the drink here and uh, God I enjoy you guys so much yeah your knowledge and the humor and your points of view so thank you for having me again well thanks pal right back at you and I'm glad you mentioned uh, to Don's widow that uh, we're uh, we're doing this I'm glad that she's aware of it and uh, Steve as I said before uh, thank you so much for being here uh, very very fitting. Uh, you, you gotta pay tribute to a great three-man booth with another great three-man booth, and uh, we couldn't do it without you. Well, I appreciate that, but it's a privilege, especially with you two guys. Again, in memory, not instead of Don. Uh, yep. But I love doing this every year, and uh, maybe we'll do another one for the playoffs or something. We'll see how it goes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I look forward yeah. to the next time I can talk baseball with both of you two guys. It's always schedules permitting, of course, with everybody, and uh, I just really, as I say, can't thank you enough. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini Episode 1334.